Welcome back to Living Cafe Wrestling Podcast. By now, you know my name is Jordan. Um, I'll be doing this again solo. Sean is still MIA, uh, doing whatever it is that he is doing. And in the state of the world today, I figured let's do something uplifting. Let's have some fun with this. So we're going to go from Andre the Giant's drinking accomplishments to Paul Bear pissing his pants just to keep kayfabe. Cue my music. Cue my music. What the? I'm back, and I'm better than ever. Got a net for making things better. Face facts, cause your opinion don't matter. This a maniac. Hey, hey, douchebag, how you been? What the? What are you doing here? Oh, I'm finally back. Well, you picked a good one to come back on because this is going to be nothing but jokes. Oh, great, great. I could use some jokes. I've had a long uh, month thereabouts. I, uh, a few episodes. Yeah, it's been a few episodes. Uh, you know, we just couldn't get together our, our uh, timelines and things like that. And then the one day we finally could get together to record, I, uh, I wasn't feeling too well. And turned out I got the woo flu. Yes, you did. So, yeah, it was not fun. And, uh, yes, but I'm back. I'm not contagious. Still coughing a little bit, so forgive that. You might hear him throughout the episode, but uh, I'm alive. Well, I'm not trying to compare who had it worse, but I've been kind of carrying this podcast on my back. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. You really have been carrying on your back. I was, I was a little too busy uh, laying in my bed wondering if I was going to make it out alive. So I'm making it all about you. <laughs> <laughs> but you're feeling better now. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Like I said, just a small cough. So forgive it if you hear him. Yeah, guys, if he coughs, just, you know, he has the right. <laughs> exactly. So we're doing uh, funny stories in wrestling today, huh? Yeah, uh, funny shoot stories. You know, I've got a bunch. Um, I got a lot in my head. Yeah. of uh, A lot of road stories back whenever yeah. you know, they used to ride together. You know, now mm-hmm. they're not really so much doing that anymore. Right. But, you know, thank God they did it in the 80s and the 90s because <laughs> these stories are awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's the first one. We're going to do the cough counter. That is yeah, one. right. That's one. <laughs> That's one right there. But uh, I've actually got one that I – we're going to do this kind of like top ten style. This is kind of like a goat uh, wrestling stories. But there's so many of them that once you hear one, then you hear another, and you're like, oh, man, that one's even better. Yeah. So what would you call it? Top ten-ish? Yeah, top ten-ish, you yeah. know, because I, I got one I just recalled last night. And I'll just – I'll go ahead and jump right into that real quick. Good for it. Um, so – this is way back in Steamboat and Flare days. Okay. So, 80s. Is this when they were, like, killing it with the trilogy? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. This is when they were, you know, hot. Flare the heel, Steamboat the baby face. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. So, what, what it used to be years ago is, done with a show, go get you some beer. Yeah. So, the, the, the rule was, though, if any of the boys that you, you know, if you were facing, they were a heel or anything like that, we're in that store. You had to find a different one. You couldn't go in there because, I mean, obvious kayfabe reasons. You know, we're Hacks- starting an argument in public, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. as Hacksaw and Iron Sheik found out. But, <laughs> but um, there's another one for you. But, but anyhow, um, it was Flair, Flair and Steamboat had worked a a, a match that night, and uh, Steamboat pulled into a, a shop getting their beer, and uh, New Flair was in there. Well, there's a bunch of people crowding around, you know, trying to get Ric Flair's autograph and all that. Well, Steamboat come in behind him, grabbed him by the shoulder and spun him around, got right in his face and said, you MFer, if you do anything like that to me again, your family won't even recognize you. And then just turned around and walked away. And, uh, you know, of course, all the fans are standing around like, what just happened? What just happened? You know, that's keeping kayfabe alive right there. Yeah. You know, but anyhow... The night goes on, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Rick Steamboat gets a phone call from Ric Flair. He's like, hey, bud, are, are we okay? Are we good? And Steamboat's like, yeah, why wouldn't we be? <laughs> and and Flair's like, well, that that whole ordeal at the, the shop there, he's like, I thought you were a gentleman. And he's like, nah, I was just working the fans, man. So, But I guess when Steamboat spun Flair around, his eyes were about the size of golf balls. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> so... You know, I thought I've heard almost 
all these. I've never heard that story. You've never heard that no. one? Oh, wow. No, yeah. I thought a lot of these I was going to, you know, like, yeah, I know that. But yeah. I love the story. No, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, that was, I uh, I learned that from uh, Table for Three. Oh. They okay. had Steamboat, uh, Flare, and Sting, I believe, on okay. that Table for Three. Okay, well, are you, did you wrap at? Are you done with that Yeah, one? yeah. Okay. That, yep. Well, you said Sting, so now I'm going to go ahead and jump to this one. Okay, yeah, go, okay. go for it, go for it. Okay, now this is again keeping kayfabe back in the day, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah this yeah. is having a little too much fun with it. Oh, okay. Okay, back in the day on the road, Sting would ride with the Steiner brothers. Oh God. <laughs> okay, have you? Do you know anything about their antics? What they would do while driving? I, I know the Steiner brothers were crazy, but um, I don't think I've heard this story. Okay, yeah, Sting's crazy too. Turns out. Oh, okay. I, I guess the reputation was was they would switch. Sting would drive. Okay. Okay. And at times he would hang out the window, grab the door. Of an opponent's car. Oh, okay. I have okay, heard this yeah. one, actually. Yeah. So, at their face, and they see a heel car, yeah. they'll open their door up. They'll yeah. grab them through their windows. They would, okay, <laughs> they would throw food at them. They'd do whatever they could, right? Yeah. So, now, have you heard about the uh, Samoan SWAT team running into Sting and the Steiners? I may have. You're going to have to refresh okay, me well, on this, that one. Okay, well, this ends up with a totaled car. So, <laughs> what, what happens was, is Heyman's actually riding with the Samoan SWAT team. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> And they see that Sting and the Steiners are on the road, and they've spotted them. Right. Okay? So here comes Sting and the Steiners <laughs> throwing everything they've got in their car right. at Heyman's rented car. <laughs> so, I mean, I think at times they said they would even grab, uh, like, watermelons and shit. Oh, my God. But they were throwing everything. So Heyman said, lock the doors. Right, right. Because right. they knew what they were up to. They knew yeah. they were going to pull that, that door open. <laughs> so Sting, Steiners, they threw everything they had at the Samoans' car, and... Heyman ends up pulling over. They go to a gas station. Uh-huh. Okay, so he's taking care of business, you know. He's right. a road manager. They go inside and get all the food they can get, anything they can get that's mm-hmm. going to cause damage. Okay? <laughs> well, they also end up cutting themselves. I think they cut their palms. Oh, God. And in blood, they wrote uh, SST on the car. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the time they caught back up with Sting and the Steiners... Paul Heyman's rented car was so beat up and so destroyed, it was actually totaled. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so and uh, Heyman was on uh, Stone Cool's podcast, uh-huh. and he said that he's actually not even allowed to rent a car in that town anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so great. Oh, man. You know what? I got that wrong. You got that wrong. I did. Scott would hook his brother's leg, and Rick would reach into the other wrestlers' oh, okay. and pull their doors okay. open. That's who it was. Yeah, because Sting, uh, you know, he may have been crazy, but he didn't yeah, strike me as that kind of Yeah, Sting was the driver. <laughs> yeah, the Steiners. Yeah, nothing surprises me with the I'm Steiners. I'm thinking about that. Who's crazier in this situation? Yeah. Yeah. But you know what's funny is I can't remember exactly how it played out. But I think Rick, Rick Steiner was uh, running for school board. So, hey, think of the children. Yeah. Not only, I think he I think he got it. You think he got it? Yeah. yeah. Which is, it's hilarious to think about. You hear a story like that, that, that guy's part of the school board. Yeah. That's kind of funny. You know, but uh, I've actually got one. I think a lot of people know this one, actually. But it's it's pretty, uh, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty funny. Um, it's, this is The Undertaker. Okay, yeah. Cool. Some people know, a lot of people don't know. The Undertaker has this really weird fear of cucumbers. Hmm. I guess it stems from when he was a little kid and his mom would make him eat them. So he just absolutely hates them. Like the smell of them can make him just vomit. So like there's all kinds of, Paul Bear used to rib him with cucumbers all the time. I remember hearing Paul Bear talk one time, Taker was about to go out. <laughs> and, and he was standing across like gorilla basically but it was a little bigger than that and um paul bearer was looking at the undertaker and the undertaker realized that paul bearer had hidden cucumbers in the brim of his hat inside like where the sweat man mm-hmm. is and so the undertaker got a whiff of him and just looked straight up and met eyes with paul bearer from possibly 50 feet away <laughs> as the story goes so undertaker really hates him well, there's a story that um, one night, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's too funny. <laughs> so, uh, Paul Bear, they were out eating, okay? Waffle House? Uh, I think it was a Waffle House. Uh, <laughs> however he did it, Paul, <laughs> Paul Bear 
dropped a cucumber and Undertaker's iced tea. And I guess Undertaker took a drink of it or got a real good whiff of it. And he started to just projectile vomit all over this place. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that was the Waffle House. I've heard that story. It was was Paul Bear that told that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's it's just too funny. I could just see the Undertaker just throwing up everywhere. I don't know why that kills me so much. Here's the thing. A while back ago, didn't we talk about Paul Bear always stayed in character when it came to Kane? Like, didn't he always take care of Kane's bookings? Yeah, Paul Bear pretty much was a manager. Okay. Well, he was such a manager, in fact, when he was uh, with Taker, mm-hmm. they were going to the next venue, yeah. and I just want to jump, you're sitting there talking no, about yeah, Taker, yeah. and that, yep. it made me think of this. They uh, they had to stop and get gas to the next venue. Okay. Okay? But Paul Bear had to piss really bad. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Taker's his man. Taker goes in first. Right. They can't get their gas until they bought their, they, until they purchased what they needed. So, Paul Bear's outside. He's got to pee really bad. Taker's right. inside getting whatever it is he needed to get, mm-hmm. and Paul Bear still being the chauffeur pumping the gas. Yeah. Well, apparently, the sound of the pump, the gas going through the pump, oh, made Paul Bear piss his pants. <laughs> so he he legitimately pissed his pants just to keep kayfabe from driving right. to one venue to the other. Wow. But that's dedication. Well, it, it's actually it, it gets even better. Um, by the time they make it to the next venue, mm-hmm. there's a like a welcome basket of adult diapers waiting for Paul Bear. Guess who dropped that off for him? Vince. Vince. Guaranteed. Oh, it was Vince. Oh, it was Vince. <laughs> I was just, okay. He, he did, man. He dropped it off. Oh, him. my God. It's kind of funny because I've got some Undertaker stories. And go ahead and go to the next one. Now I got another one. You got another one? Yeah. Actually, go ahead with your other Undertaker one. Yeah. Okay. This is Because uh, mine's going to jump off of Undertaker. So. Is it? Well, yeah. this is something I never knew about Taker. Okay, go okay. for it. Uh, did you know that he liked to partake in strip clubs? Yes. I didn't know that about Taker. Yeah. Well, also, uh, another wrestler did was Kevin Nash. Well, obviously. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no know, brainer. Back in the 90s, it was kind of uh, Vince really wanted people to keep their. You know where I'm going with this? I just recalled yeah. it as soon as you started going. Yeah. Yep. He wanted them to keep their uh, personal lives kind of separate from yep. their characters. Well, Vince called a meeting and told everybody, you know, let's. Let's stop going to these strip clubs, guys. But it was basically a meeting just for Taker and Kevin Nash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Right. Well, now, I think this was possibly in Philadelphia. Okay. But Yeah, quite a few uh, quite a few of those established <laughs> in Philly. Well, Nash walks into a strip club. And the way he tells the story is, he says he got into a corner booth. Mm-hmm. And he let his eyes adjust to the darkness. Right. And he says he looks across the room. And there's Taker in a black leather coat <laughs> staring right back at him. <laughs> and he says Taker kind of, kind of like sheepishly waves at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he walks over and sits down to Nash and says, "Well, it's nice to see you listen." <laughs> and I guess Nash says, "It's nice to see you listen too." <laughs> oh God! Ultimate I troll. Thought, I mean, can you imagine Kevin Nash sitting in a corner booth thinking nobody's going to see him at a strip club? And here's Taker in a leather yeah. coat. <laughs> Well, him down in well here's, club. here's the thing. Like, even if Taker hadn't been in there, I, I and I know this as a big person myself. I'm not as big as Kevin Nash, but <laughs> I know this as a big person myself. What makes you think you're going to sneak anywhere without anyone seeing you? Yeah, especially you know? in a strip club. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm six foot seven, man. I can't hide anywhere. Imagine these dudes that are seven foot. Like, it's yeah. not like you can crouch down like, oh, they won't see me. No, they're going to see you. And here's the thing. Back, they knew when wrestlers were coming to a venue nearby. Yeah. Here comes a seven foot, you know, clearly <laughs> exactly. athlete walking yeah. into a strip club. You're going to be seen. Right. <laughs> attention's going to kind of draw your way. I don't care what corner booth you're in. Exactly. But I just, I keep thinking about <clears throat> him sitting in a booth and just seeing Taker. I know, right? It was, <laughs> anybody, just, anybody yeah. going to a strip club, there's Taker. It's already locked eyes with him. Just wait for them to find him. <laughs> I just I didn't know that at that moment words weren't necessary. They just knew automatically. (laughs) But the the way Nash, you know, used to tell the story was like he sheepishly waved. Yeah, yeah. See Taker kind of like ah damn it. Yeah, (laughs) right. I just imagine Taker doing that like dark wave from Yes Man where he puts all the tape on his face and he's like. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I picture Taker waving. Oh goodness. Well, I'm actually gonna jump off a Taker here. I've got this one's funny too. Now, think about some of the guys in the, you know, 80s, 90s, early 90s era. Who do you think were some of the craziest? 
Uh, are we talking about doing crazy stuff or like just coke? <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. That would have been 80s. That yeah, as far 80s. as I know, no drugs were involved okay. in this one, but. The, crazy, I mean, I, when I think crazy, I always think flair. Flair, uh, you know, the hearts. Yeah. Uh, they're one of their cousins is who I'm specifically referring to. Roddy Piper. Oh. <laughs> Probably oh. the craziest guy okay. ever. Okay, yeah. By the way, yeah. Rowdy Roddy Piper, uh, for those of you who can find said streaming service, it's called Peacock. Uh, you can get it for free. I just signed up today. There you go. Jump on there, find the movie They Live, stars Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith David. Great movie. Y'all should watch it. Don't be afraid. <laughs> is that that? Is it sci-fi? Yes. Okay, you told me about this a yes. long time ago. Greatest okay. movie. One of the greatest movies of all time. My one of personal, personal favorites. But anyhow, so this crazy story comes from Rowdy Roddy Piper. Now, Jordan, if you wanted a pair of alligator boots, what would you do? Um, like any sane person, mm-hmm. I guess I'd go to the store and buy And them. buy a pair, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that fact just hadn't dawned on Roddy Piper, I guess. Uh, so this is an 84... He's with uh, Kevin Sullivan. There's an arbiter of uh, sanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy, Wally Dusick, uh, that was his wrestling name. I forget his real name. And um, Bill Alfonso, referee. Remember him? ECW, yeah. all yeah, that? Yeah, Blew the that whistle. whistle. Oh, my God, I know. Yeah. Oh, about driving up a wall. Yeah. Anyhow, they're, they're driving through Florida, and they spot a gator. Now, is it in the middle of the road, or is it... Like uh, from what I can tell, it was, like, on the shoulder. Okay. So, they spot this gator and stop the car. And uh, back then, drugs, alcohol, all that, uh, everybody had a gun, too. So, Roddy Piper had a gun. <laughs> so, he jumps out of the car, shoots this freaking... Actually, he might have even shot the gator from inside the car. Who knows? I know, yeah. yeah. Let's just give him the benefit of the doubt. He jumped out... <laughs> Even though he's dead, he jumped out and shot this gator twice. Okay. Now, gators, when you you have to shoot them in a very specific spot. It's pretty much right between the eyes and the brain, right? Pretty it's much, like yeah. It's like where an apricot would be on a human. Yeah. Basically right between the eyes, instant kill shot. But, so as soon as he shot it, it just slid into the water. But it didn't move. It was probably knocked out. Because <laughs> who knows where he shot this thing. It was probably close to the head. But... um. So, for like 10 minutes, they were throwing rocks at it to make sure it was dead. So, Piper and Sullivan took all their clothes off. <laughs> Something you do, and you know, in this situation. Yeah, that's my biggest worry. It's getting wet. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, so they took their clothes off, and they started getting into the water. Now, where there's one gator, what's there usually? Uh, there's usually a couple. Exactly. Yeah, and if that's a little one, there's usually a bigger one. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so... They get into this water, and obviously you're in Florida, and you can't see an inch in Florida water. Yeah. You know, so uh, they're wading through this water to get this gator that they shot. The uh, the Kevin Sullivan and Roddy Piper, as they're moving towards this gator, are splashing water to scare the other ones away, because that'll do it. <laughs> I don't you know? tr- that's not like drawing attention to your like, <laughs> right? yeah. wounded animal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But apparently it worked. I mean, neither of them died yeah. in that regard. But uh, the dead ones suddenly woke up and started thrashing around and dove back into the water as they were getting real close to it. So they, they hauled it out of the water and somehow didn't get eaten. And the other ones, Bill Alfonso and this Dusick guy, mm-hmm. were standing on shore laughing. I guess they were laughing because Piper and Sullivan just ran right back to the car. And they're just laughing at them for being, you know, pansies, basically. And then over in the grass started moving right near them. So they then hauled it to the car, and it turned out to be an armadillo. Yeah. Okay. I remember the armadillo <laughs> yeah. part now. Yeah. Yes. And they're like, oh, you're running from an armadillo. So, yeah, that was uh, Roddy Piper, you you crazy son of a gun. God love you. Man, he would have been somebody that I'd love to go out just one night. Oh, I know. I mean, not at all try to keep up with. No, But no. just to God hang my. out. My God. Yeah. But. Um, let's just go ahead and talk about uh, kind of another road story. Okay. Uh, Abdullah the Butcher. Mm-hmm. Okay, this one, uh, Abdullah the Butcher and the Fire Extinguisher. Have you heard this one? Um, I don't think so, actually. Okay. Well, I, I kind of, I've heard it, but didn't really remember it too yeah, much, yeah, so yeah. I had to write down some people's names, and I asked you, uh, right. I didn't want to butcher their names. <laughs> <Yeah, well. laughs> 
But anyway, I guess Abdullah liked to sleep with his door open at the hotels. Okay, no, I have heard this last okay. night. Yep. Well, at this time, he was uh, he was on the road with Gold Dust. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and according to Gold Dust, <laughs> he and we said uh, Doug Furnace. Yeah, 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 yeah. Danny Coffett. Yeah, I think so. Once decided to prank him, I guess because, you know, he's an easy victim yeah. with the door open. Right, yeah. And the way Gold Dust tells it is, oh God. Doug came to him with the idea of going into the room and uh, he's, you know, he just yells, watch this. Yeah. He takes the fire extinguisher, lets mm-hmm. it off. Right. The only problem is, you know how some fire extinguishers go until they're empty? Yep. That's what happened on this one here. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, like, <laughs> Abdullah started coughing, you know, what I imagine pretty bad in the room. Well, yeah. And I get, the stuff was all over the place. And according to Goldust, he said that Abdullah had no idea who was behind the prank until Goldust revealed the secret like decades later. Oh, my God. So he God. literally made him wait decades before he was like, oh, yeah, bro, it was us. Oh, Lord, that's so great. Now, there's there's hotel stories of like like worse. Like there's yeah. the Raven story in the hotel where they – I didn't even – I wasn't even going to tell. That one's like – I don't think I know this one Yeah, Google, Google the Raven story. Okay. I think him and Perry Saturn – Oh, Maybe God. some girls and some. Ooh. Uh, anyways, I. I, I that don't sound that, like it's ending very well. <laughs> I yeah. Think that, and I think all of the antics happened in the hallway of that hotel. But yeah. I, I do remember there being like a crazy story about Raven and hotel. That wasn't on my list. Okay, we'll leave that one for the yeah, viewers to or the listeners Google to Google it. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm actually going to transfer into a few. Uh, actually, no, no, wait, 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 wait. No, I've got one more. Before I transfer into the one, I think we both have a bunch of stories on. Oh yeah, but um, this one, <laughs> this one involves Eric Bischoff and Steve Mongo McMichael. Now I can't remember the entire setup, and neither does Bischoff really. But they're somewhere. Obviously, they're in a hotel. Well, it had been. It was probably after a nitro, and they, of course, again, what do you do after a show? You start drinking. So, I guess they were in a hotel room. Uh, from what I understand, not Bischoff's, possibly Mongo's. And, of course, they got pretty sloppy drunk and things like that. Well, they've all retired to their rooms. No shenanigans, you know, that made stories. And about three or four in the morning, uh, Bischoff is dead asleep. And someone's banging on his door. He's like, what in the world is this? Wakes up. And it's Mongo. Okay. Uh, Mongo, who's wearing nothing at all, he just has a towel, not around his waist, but he's holding it right over his junk. Yeah, and uh, he says something to Bischoff, like, hey, Bish, uh, I just want to let you know that you're a really great guy. And then behind his back, pulls out a forty-four mag pistol and gives it to him and says, I want you to have this. And Bischoff's like... Not really going to say no in this instance. He's like, this is like I just said, well, thank you. And no idea how I'm going to get this home. But uh, all right, Steve, you have a good night. And just slowly shut the door as Mongo walks away. Hanging brain, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, Mongo just randomly out of nowhere giving Bischoff a 44 mag. And Bischoff doesn't recall, like, why he <laughs> no. handed it to him? No, no one really understands why Mongo gave him this gun randomly at 3 in the morning. That might be the biggest <laughs> mind fuck somebody could ever do to somebody. Exactly. That's Like, what do you do? You know, like, oh my if God. I randomly came out to your house at 4 in the morning, he was like, Jordan, I want you to have this. And then just gave you a forty-four mag. And then I just walked away, possibly with my dong out. <laughs> you know, you would be utterly confused. Yeah, I mean, I'd be glad I got the gun, I guess. Well, yeah, especially in today's age, God Almighty. Yeah. So, were you going to segue into a little bit of a, a little bit of a drinking story? Uh, yes, not really, not so much a drinking story, but it kind of it's going to help lead into yours, which I think, which should be the finale. Your your good story about someone drinking throughout the night. So, I've I've got these. These are short. Okay, but we're going to transfer into a subject known as Andre the Giant. <laughs> <laughs> now Andre a lot of people loved him like he was a really you know a, a lot of a lot of great memories for a lot of people Andre was also very self-conscious 
uh, because he was so big, mm-hmm. you know. And, of course, later on he started getting heavy because his organs just kept growing, yeah. you know. So he wasn't – like early Andre could move and was – you know, mm-hmm. later Andre couldn't do a whole lot. Yeah, he didn't want that stu- that surgery? No, I, yeah. Now, didn't he kind of believe that that's the way God made him? Yeah. Was, it was that his take on that? It was something to that effect, yeah. He also, you know, struggled a lot with his limitations for being so yeah. big. So yeah. I think he just well, kind of... The surgery didn't really become known until later in his years. Well, yeah, was. especially in those days. It wasn't, and it wasn't a big success like it would be yeah. today. I think Vince even offered once to... But yeah, to I think he did too, yeah. But he yeah. didn't do it. But anyhow, uh, Andre, he didn't really... He didn't like being called a monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess um, this this story involves Larry Zabisco, oh, yeah. who's probably one of my favorites of all time, and um, and Andre. But they're in a restaurant eating somewhere. Didn't uh, no one's really can recall where. Zabisco's sitting with some of the boys, and Andre's sitting in a booth uh, somewhat near them, and he had some uh, some girl with him. And uh, Zabisco he got real close to the boys and whispered like, "Hey." Doesn't Andre kind of look like Herman Munster? And all Andre heard was monster. So he just bellows out, who looks like a monster? And he grabs a jar of olives because he, you know, and I can imagine a jar of olives in Andre's hands was like. Like Pepsi to me. Yeah, it was like me grabbing a baby pop can. (laughs) You know, like I can imagine it wasn't very big. But he grabbed this jar of olives and just wung him at Zabisco. They probably would have killed him if it would have hit him. But Zabisco ducked him, but this jar of olives hit a couple of cops that oh. were that were behind him. And so they didn't know who it hit, who threw it. And so they stand up and Zabisco points right at Andre. And the cops look, see Andre, and they just go, eh, and sat back down. <laughs> it's like they weren't even gonna try that one. Oh God. But how many how many more do you have? Uh, stories? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I, I have a good bit of stories. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll cap mine off here. This one's real quick, too. Apparently, they're up in Canada somewhere. Okay. Okay. And it's a long stretch of road, like 600 miles, something like that. Well, apparently, somehow, Andre got into a road rage incident. Mm-hmm. They ended up pulling over, right? And this guy, they just kept arguing and arguing. Well, it made Andre so mad to a point that he just went over took the guy's car and flipped it over on the side yeah and so i guess later on there's another group of the boys that were coming down and they see this turned over car and cops there and uh they end up stopping see if you know anybody needs help or anything like that and uh they were talking to the cops and the cops said uh yeah no this is just a, a drunk guy he's like this ain't you know really anything he's like he he's had one too many and they're like what do you mean he's like well, this guy says that uh, some giant came and turned his car over, <laughs> and it was actually true, you know. So, uh, yeah, Andre flipped a car in Canada, and <laughs> they took out of jail for drug driving. Okay, well, I, that might not have been the only time you flipped a car. That's probably not. Because, when you're that um, big and strong, would that be the only time you flip a car? I, I can't. This guy was a, a wrestler and a manager. I, I don't remember. Arnold Scalen. Does that ring a bell? I I think that was his name. But anyways, he told a story about Andre flipping a car one night. Okay. I guess Andre, you know, like you said, he just wanted to be left alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was in a bar drinking. Oh, God. And I guess a couple guys saw him and started harassing him. Now, people sometimes would try to poke the bear when they saw a wrestler. They didn't think a wrestler was going to turn, you know, knock their face in. Yeah. But I guess these guys were really giving him a hard time. And he got up and was going to do something about it. So the one smart thing they did that night was they ran to their car. Yeah. That was smart for about a minute. Yeah. yeah. The the way that Arnold tells the story was that Andre flipped their car. Mm -hmm. They locked the door. So he flipped their car. (laughs) So there might be something to this. Yeah. To Andre flipping cars. Yeah. One Bigfoot story. It sounds (laughs) similar to this one. Maybe it's true. Exactly. But yeah, that's, but anyways, you know, we've all heard about his drinking accomplishments Mm -hmm. and I, I wanted to find like some of his best ones. Yeah. And I made like a little list, just a couple. Right. Uh, there was one night he was on Letterman. Oh, okay. And on on Letterman's show, he said that he drank in one sitting 119 beers. I've heard that before, yeah. Um, do you remember that show, WWE's uh, Legends of Wrestling? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mike Graham. Oh, okay. He said that he witnessed uh, Andre drink 156 16 U.S. Uh, fluid ounce beers. And this was supposedly in one sitting. 
Yeah. And Dusty Rhodes later confirmed it, too. So, yeah. I mean, he, he said it was true, too. Yeah, I've always heard that he was a, a legion drinker. Um, fabulous Moolah. Oh, okay. yeah? He drank she, her? She wrote, God. <laughs> she she wrote in her autobiography that Andre drank 127 beers in Reading, Pennsylvania, in a hotel bar. And that he passed out in the lobby and the staff couldn't move him. So I they just left one. him there until he woke up. I heard that one, yeah. Um, and then there was a, a shoot interview with uh, Ken, P- Ken Pantera. Ken Patera? I don't know. Ken. Yeah, okay, yeah. Am I saying his last name right? I think Pantera? you're saying Pantera like the band, but I think it's just Patera. Yeah, Patera. Yeah, okay, there you go. You said Pantera. Pantera. Yeah, you said Pantera the first time. <laughs> well, he said that Andre was... Uh, we'll cut it, we'll cut it. Don't worry, you won't sound retarded to the listeners. <laughs> no leave it okay uh, he said that uh andre was challenged by dick murdoch to a beer drinking contest <laughs> oh god <laughs> and the way he tells the story after nine or so hours andre had drank 116 beers oh my god so that would be like challenging andre to a drinking contest would be like challenging triple h to a water spitting contest you're just gonna lose um there was a you know the princess bride movie Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, there was a book. I was actually going to tell this one. <laughs> you can tell it. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Uh, are you, is this about the book? The book that was written about um, the Princess Bride? Okay, no, Apparently, actually, in no. the book, it's written that Andre, uh, he got drunk and he fell on top of somebody. <laughs> and after which, the NYPD sent an undercover officer to follow Andre around uh-huh. everywhere that he went, drinking around town to mm-hmm. make sure it didn't happen again. Oh, my now, God. Now, is that story true? I don't know. I don't know. It was published in a book, so it's got to be true, right? Right, yeah. Um, another thing during the Princess Bride, it was reported, and this is probably what you're talking about. Probably. He racked up a forty thousand dollar liquor bar. Nope, it ain't this uh, one either. Liquor tab. I can see that happening, but no, that so ain't the one I had either. Forty thousand dollars at a bar tab during that the filming of that movie. Okay, so when was that? When did that movie come out? Like ninety? I think. Mm, I don't remember when that came out. I really. I'm don't. not too sure. Uh, just imagine how much he had to like. These had to be like really high dollar drinks. Or a lot of really cheap ones, you know, like to rack up a $40,000 bar tab back then. Even today, that would be something. But even back then, be even more, in my opinion. Well, there's another story. Um, before WrestleMania three, he drank mm-hmm. 16 bottles of wine. I, that I, 14 bottles of wine, something like that? I, I do believe that because there's been a lot of stories. Uh, I can actually tie these two together. Okay. So uh, there's a story. This is who knows where this happened, but it was told by Jake the Snake. At one point, Andre, he'd been drinking, of course. He'd been in the wine like he likes. And uh, at one point, he sat on Jake the Snake's head in the ring and started farting. (laughs) But it was on like his shoulder to head area. And he just started farting. And he was sitting there laughing. And the ref came over and was like, Andre, what are you laughing at? He's like, I'm farting. (laughs) And the ref kind of like steps away. And Andre's still laughing for like, I guess, another 20 to 30 seconds later. And Ref goes, what are you laughing at now? He's like, I'm still farting. <laughs> it's like, and Jake's like, people don't know, but Giants fart for like a minute straight. <laughs> you know, at least Andre did. But this actually ties into my other one. This was on the set of Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Carrie Elway has told the story on uh, Regis and Kelly yeah. uh, some years ago. But <laughs> there's one point Andre uh, was just standing there and he cut a massive fart. Like another 20 to 30 second long fart. And Carrie Elways put it as it was kind of like a mini earthquake going off. And it just didn't stop. And I guess he farted for so long. And then uh, the director, Rob Reiner, uh, came over and said, Andre, are are you good? And he goes, I am now. (laughs) So, yeah. Andre, a notorious farter when he got the wine in him. Did you hear that? It's an urban legend. I don't think it's ever been confirmed, but for a surgery he had to have, the anesthesiologist didn't know how much to give him. So they I, went off his alcohol, uh, how much his <laughs> alcohol tolerance. I did hear that. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. But they say, man, he, yeah, he liked to drink, but back in the day when Andre was going around, yeah. other companies could book him. Like yeah. Vince, would, he'd go out to here and he'd go mm-hmm. there and then come back, and that's what he was allowed to do that. Right. And Vince Are you really going to tell him no? <laughs> and they said he kept this book mm-hmm. with him. And if you booked him for a year from now on a Tuesday at two o'clock across mm-hmm. the country, it didn't matter what was going on. You didn't, you could go a year without talking to him again. Yeah. He was going to be there at two o'clock on the other side of the country. Oh, wow. That's a like, loyal he guy. Never, like he never missed yeah. a date. That's a loyal guy right there. Yeah. Uh, 
be honest with you, I kind of want a beer now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I don't. I don't want 116 beers. Oh, my God. I couldn't. Oh, there's no way. I would die. I would yeah. die at like 12. <laughs> Have you seen pictures of him, though, on an airplane? Yeah, it's yeah. very similar I mean, to Big Show on an airplane. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, dude, God almighty. Dude, speaking of airplanes, man, I got... I've got some airplane stories. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm guessing ahead. plane ride from hell would be I one call of them. It, I, I call it the party plane. Yeah. Is, is that what you're talking about where people yeah. literally got fired? Yeah. Yeah, some yeah. exposure. Coming back yeah. from the UK or something. Yeah, I mean, I can I can jump into that one or you can go ahead. No, and no, no, go ahead. I, I've got, got mine all told up. This is you uh, now. So who, this is probably the same one then, May 5th, 2002. Okay. Uh, uh, we're, we're well beyond 10-ish. This is like 15-ish now. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we've, we've got a lot. <laughs> but, like, this was like an assortment of wrestlers and, like, WWE staff and everything. Yeah, well, yeah, they yeah. boarded this uh, Charter 747. Uh-huh. And a lot of things happened on this. A lot of offenses. <laughs> um, I, I can tell you six right uh-huh. now that you're probably going to fact check because you're not going to think I'm telling the truth. Actually, no, I probably have heard them. <laughs> um, one, numerous wrestlers were reported handed uh, syringes to flight attendants with I, instructions to dispose of them. Uh-huh. I've heard uh, that one. Yeah. Um, Kurt, Henning, Kurt Henning and uh, Brock Lesnar started a friendly uh, amateur wrestling oh, God. takedown thing. That, oh, my Lord. I can't imagine that one going down well. I Well, I guess it was like they were going so hard at each other yeah. that they almost popped open the emergency exit at 30,000 feet. Heard that one. That uh, would take quite a bit, though. Rick Flair was strutting around in an open robe. Yep. Flashing <laughs> flight attendants. Yep. Uh, Which I think 2002 t- Rick Flair flashing me would not turn me on. Oh. Well, two of, the, two of them ended up suing him. Yep. <laughs> so, you right heard flip. that one? Yeah, yeah, I've heard that one. Uh, Dustin Rhodes. Uh, oh, yeah, this is dust. my favorite. Okay. He this verbally harassed numerous flight attendants before taking over the plane's PA system and drunkenly uh, <laughs> serenading his ex-wife, Terry Reynolds. Yeah. You remember that one? Yeah. yeah. Now, but, could you imagine Gold Dust taking right? over the PA system on an airplane? Yes. <laughs> I it, could. Now, I just would want you to do it in full gear. <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, the road, the, the wig, the makeup. <sighs> over the intercom system. I'm sorry. I know people sued and people were mad about all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I worked on that plane, I'd be the best. I'd be telling my grandkids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The part where they're harassing women, that's not cool. But everything else, like, grabs the PA and starts Terry Reynolds, that's so great. Oh, God. Uh, Scott Hall was there. Um, oh, yeah, this one got Hall fired. He, he was unconscious for most of the flight. Yeah. But I guess he found the time to verbally abuse and slobber on the face of a flight attendant. Yep. Didn't... Uh, uh, I guess he passed out uh-huh. and they had to take him off the plane in the wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. Now, who was it? I was thinking it was Hall. It might be Kurt Hennig now. Uh, nearly peed on Linda McMahon? Michael Hayes was so wasted. Michael Hayes. pissed on Linda McMahon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he thought he was in the bathroom. Yeah. And after passing out, X-Pac uh, cut off his mullet. I remember that. It didn't so, tell him until they got into... Customs. Yep. <laughs> yep. He didn't know his hair was gone until they got yep. to customs. You know, honestly, I just kind of thought of something. What? For a while, Michael Hayes would call Michael P.S. Hayes. Yeah. You know, if you nearly pee on Linda McMahon, you would have to be called Michael Piss Hayes. Yeah, that you name know, ain't leaving you. And and be put on TV to be buried. So who all was fired? It was Dustin Rhodes, Kurt Henning, and Scott Hall, right? Yeah. Were fired after that? Yeah, because I think Kurt Henning also took a dump on that plane somewhere. <laughs> oh, man, that reminds me. Uh, remember, what, was it Kurt Henning gave Yokozuna X-Lax on a plane? Oh. And he couldn't fit into the bathroom. Oh, God. So they had to, you know how there's like that uh, screened-in area between you uh-huh. and the, uh, the pilot? Yeah. I guess they had to put newspaper down. Because Kurt Henning gave him X-Lax. He had to shit. Uh, yeah. And I guess he shit on the newspaper on the oh airplane. Oh, my God. But Kurt Henning was known for ribbing people, man. Yeah, Kurt and Henning. apparently he liked to do uh, ribs with shit. Because yeah. I, got a, I got a good Kurt Henning rib here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you about yeah, it. Yeah, because uh, I know Kurt Henning is actually Hennig. I keep saying Henning. I know, I do too. But Hennig. Uh, Mr. Perfect. kept. He was the one who kind of basically taught Scott Hall how to rib. But Kurt Hennig did have a code with his ribs. No property damage whatsoever. I admire that because that's one of my biggest pet peeves is destroying private property. I hate that. So Kurt Hennig at least had that much going for him. Yeah. But, you know, he would get these guys pass out drunk and then shave one of their eyebrows. And uh, Scott Hall was like, why do you do that? And he's like, because when they wake up, they have a choice. Either live that way or shave the other one. (laughs) 
<laughs> so that was uh, it was Kurt Henning. But oh. okay, well, I'm going to stick with Kurt Henning here. Oh gosh, okay. you remember when the Ultimate Warrior had to use the trap door underneath the ring for his uh-huh. teleportation gimmick? Uh huh. Okay. Well, Kurt Henning knew that this was going to be happening, right? Yeah. So apparently, uh, Henning shit in a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> And he got to the ring before Warrior. <laughs> he, he puts the bucket of shit or Warrior. And this is a cramped spot Warrior has to sit in, right? Yeah. He, he, he puts this bucket underneath there. Warrior has no idea. So he, he gets underneath the trap door. He's underneath the ring. He has to wait, what is it, like two or three hours <laughs> for his spot? Until oh, my God. He had to stay down there. I guess he threw up a couple times. Uh-huh. Underneath the ring. So next uh, time when you see this and you think, oh, this is so cool. He's coming. He sniffed shit for hours because uh, of Kermanning. Oh, my God. Now, I don't wonder. Do you think Jim Hellwig, do you think he had the kind of personality to take out lightly? No. Like, do you think I, Hellwig would have been like pissed? I feel like he would have been, as soon as his spot was done, you know, his dead sprint he does to the ring. <laughs> he'd be doing that to the back to beat the living crap out of whoever like, did how that. How did Kurt Henning get away with that? I mean, with oh, the Lord, man. I mean. Jeez. I imagine that they they had to have been tight, right? I mean, they, they had yeah. to have been close, or that came to blows, and no one knows that story. I guess yeah, that would be for another podcast. Well, I mean, chips go wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> Top ten. Yeah, it's hard to say because I mean, both of those guys are dead now. So yeah, and uh, Warrior didn't do too many interviews, you know, leading up to the yeah. end there. So you know, that's true. The Wild Smellings. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. They came from American Samoa, where eighty percent of people spoke English, but mm-hmm. they. Yeah. This, their character was they just grunted they didn't know yeah. English okay yeah well they they kept kayfabe all oh right? yeah yeah and it was important to them Simone sick wrestling very seriously so they were traveling with Hogan mm-hmm. from I think it was Florida to New York okay? oh brother and they get pulled over mm-hmm. and Hogan reaches in the glove compartment have you heard this story uh-huh. to get his registration well it falls a uh, what, what did he have a uh, I can't remember what kind of gun he had I think it was a 38 special. Oh, okay. I, I, I think it was. Don't quote me. But uh, anyway, the gun <laughs> falls out, right? Right. And the cop sees it. Well, yeah. Hogan just bought the gun. Uh-huh. It wasn't registered. Okay. So Hogan was trying to plead his ignorance by saying, you know, it's my first, and it was, it was his first gun he ever bought. Mm-hmm. He didn't know about registering it or anything like that. Yeah. He just had it for protection or whatever. They're on right. the road. And he tried to get the Wild Samoans to back him up. You know, hey, mm-hmm. this guy's just ignorant about it. Right. They couldn't speak English. Oh, my God. They kept character and just grunted. Oh, my God. So, Hogan gets taken. Yeah. And I guess it took like a whole day for Hogan to get this cleared out because oh the whole time they wouldn't speak English. They wouldn't speak. They would just grunt. Yeah. I would be having some words with them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to wrap things up here, but I got a couple good ones here. And this, okay. is, uh, this involves the coach crying. Oh, God. Uh, this was actually pulled by uh, Vince. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. I remember this one. You know where I'm going with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, for those of you who don't know, in 2001, Jerry Briscoe told Coach to start a $10 football pool to collect money from everybody. Uh Well, after the SmackDown taping, two cops cops, (laughs) showed up and arrested uh, Coach for illegal gambling. Okay? (laughs) So, while exiting the building, they ran into Vince, and Vince got into Coach's face and, like, belittled him yeah and was screaming at him over this for i guess 45 minutes oh my god so he vince put this show on for 45 minutes right and then he refused to pay the 1500 dollars bail for coach <laughs> vince mcmahon so i guess he was saying fuck no he's on his own was yeah, yeah. his words uh the cops drove around like for a mile with coach mm-hmm. in the car and then they headed back to vince's office <laughs> They, they they were claiming they forgot something uh-huh. and everyone was in there and Vince was laughing. I guess everybody was laughing their asses off. Yeah. And coach said for about 10 minutes, he had to walk away uh-huh. because uh, he literally was like starting to cry. Right. right because right. he thought his whole career was over, <laughs> over a $10 football pool. Right. I mean, that's, that is good. Yeah. That is a good one. That, that is a good one. I've actually got a funny one about coach. Oh yeah. Uh, they're, this is when they're doing tribute to the troops. They're in Iraq, and uh, I guess Coach, as Coach puts it, he saw Vince just kind of like moseying around, like kind of lost, like he was looking for something. And so Coach went up to him and said, hey, is there anything I can do for you? And he's like, yeah, I need you to get me a Red Bull. And he's like, okay, well, I'll find you a Red Bull. Well, 
he goes and finds this. He, he's going and looking everywhere, asking people. Well, I guess a private came up to him. He's like, hey, I got you a Red Bull. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll let you know that this is, go, this is going to Vince McMahon. I'll let him know it was yours. He's like, oh, okay, great. So then Coach starts takes off on a jog to find Vince, to where he knows Vince is, okay? Okay. So he's jogging with a can of Red Bull in his hand. <laughs> so he gets to where Vince is. And Vince is like going over his notes or something to what he wants to say and things like that. Because uh, I believe it's their first show in Iraq, you know, for the troops. Yeah. And uh, for whatever reason, Coach had it in his head. He's like, Vince was about to like drop his notes and reach for it. But he somehow said, no, 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 don't stop what you're doing. He cracked it for him and was going to, you know, like hold out for Vince to take a drink like he's a baby. Oh, it was really weird. But... <laughs> Apparently, he held it like right in Vince's face and cracked it open, and it just sprayed all over Vince, oh my God. like the entire contents of the can. And for whatever reason, Coach was frozen at time, so he just kept holding it under Vince's face. <laughs> and there was like there, there was some there was some privates and things like that in the room, like trying not to die laughing. And Coach is like, you can see him dying inside, trying not to laugh. And I guess Vince just like waits and then just like wipes his face off and he goes, you are so effing stupid. <laughs> and coach just drops the can and runs out <laughs> and just runs away. Gets away from Vince. Oh, so yeah. Shit. So, I've never heard that story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where'd you pick that up at? Um, time? Just story time on WWE Network. Oh yeah. 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 I, I happen to remember that as soon as you were talking about coach. Um, I just I got a couple like little teeny tiny things about Owen Hart because everybody knows. I just wanted to mention him because everybody mm-hmm. knows that Owen was like the jokester of the, yeah, the yeah, locker room. Yeah, Brett's um, the bitter one. Huh? Brett's the bitter one. <laughs> we got the Joker and the bitter one. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but there was one where Hacksaw was. They were in the same hotel, and mm-hmm. Hacksaw had called down to the front desk yeah. and asked where Jim was. Mm-hmm. And I guess Owen knew it was him on the other line because of the way the mm-hmm. person was acting. And he took the phone, acted like he was the front desk person, and said, "Why don't you go find it yourself, you lazy bastard?" Which drew him downstairs, pissed off to find it was Owen. Uh, there was another one with Val Venus. Oh God! I guess a fan had a stack of eight by tens or whatever, mm-hmm. and wanted Val to sign them all. Yeah. And he didn't because he thought, you know, well, this guy's selling them. Yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. So he didn't do it. Well, later that night, Owen got his phone number to his hotel room to mm-hmm. Val Venus's. And calls him and acts like he's that fan. <laughs> and like starts talking shit to Val Venus as that fan. Oh, my God. Uh, until he found that out. And then there's another one where he uh, fucked with Ahmed Johnson. Oh, you God. This one? He said he was somebody from The Tonight Show and he wanted Ahmed Johnson on. <laughs> so I guess... <laughs> I guess he goes out and buys him a new suit and oh. shit. And he's waiting out front for like a limo to come pick him up for oh a long gosh. time. And then finally Owen comes out. And he's like, no, I'll just fuck him with you. Oh my God. Well, he goes out and gets in the suit and gets all dressed up. Like he lets him do the whole yeah. nine yards and then tells him. Oh my God. Uh, there's there's another one where he called his dad Stu. Okay. And uh, I think he was at a nearby like pool at a hotel mm-hmm. with Brett. So Stu's with Brett, and Owen calls him, and he's pretending that he was Reggie Parks. He was one of Stu's friends, and he made the uh, he was a designer for the WWE title. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, he's on the phone with him. He's talking to him, and he tells him, you know, he starts out the conversation real nice, and then he starts talking shit to Stu as Reggie. <laughs> and, you know, he was telling him, you know, he could have taken him in a fight. Like, he never let him have a fight with Stu. And Stu's like, I guess Stu said something to the, the amount of, Reggie, if you ever wanted a fight, you knew you could have asked or whatever. <laughs> and I guess he started getting really riled up. Mm-hmm. And then he stops talking on the phone. He looks over at Brett and goes, that bastard got me. <laughs> but, I mean, I think you can write a whole book on Owen Hart uh, mm-hmm. jokes. But, no, that was... This has been fun. I, I yeah. like being able to do some lighthearted stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Those were great. <laughs> yeah. And I, I bet you we could you know, probably go on for another Oh, hour. my God. Yeah. I, I'm, the more we're going on, the more I'm remembering. There was one where you were in the locker room with, was it Hacksaw? Mm-hmm. Tell this one. I think you said it on another pod before, but about not doink. Oh, oh yeah. I forgot about this. So they're running some local indie shows. God, this has been what? 
16 years ago now yeah, yeah probably so i was you know 10 11 12 years old and uh on the card was doink the clown for this show and hacksaw was there obviously and hacksaw was one of the big names they also had like billy gunn and yeah, road dog and a bunch of other ones from tna there yeah. uh including pd williams and nick saban you know so there was a lot of them there i forgot nick saban was there yeah yeah nick oh. saban was there. that was a great match him and pd williams god almighty but um Anyhow, I'm in the back, and, <laughs> and they hear that Doink's going to be there. I guess Hacksaw didn't know the card going up to this event. And he's like, Doink's going to be Man, I ain't seen Doink in years. You know, he's real excited to see Doink. And this guy gets in there, no makeup on, anything like that. And I, when I remember correctly, this guy was a prick. He was not a nice guy mm-hmm. at all. Like, the dudes that were, like, top heels, they were great. This guy was an a-hole. Um, but... <laughs> But he gets in there and he comes up to meet Hacksaw and he's like, "Hey, how you doing?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, I'll be doink tonight." You know, I forget how they got to that point. And Hacksaw goes like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> you know, he's like, he, you know, he wasn't the he wasn't the real doink the clown. He yeah. was just some dude who was copying the gimmick and going to these indie shows and wrestling as doink the clown, uh, which I'm sure was like everywhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, no way to really track that one. Nah. You know, you pay in cash, well, that's the end of it. Yeah. You know, so uh, there's some other ones, Hacksaw. I'd have to reconfirm the story to tell them again because it's been so long since it's happened. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> Hacksaw not really choking someone out in the locker room but pretend doing it just because they were they were working Hacksaw. Uh, that also happened at the indie shows I'm talking about. So. That's like at the ball game mm-hmm. when I was – okay. I had made so many enemies mm-hmm. because I was talking to Hacksaw yeah. for a, a long, a while, longer than I should have. Yeah. And I'm looking and there's like a, a line mm-hmm. of people holding two by fours and American flag <laughs> yeah. on their shit sign. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm sitting here talking to him and I look back and uh, yeah, I needed to move on. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you see some fans. Just, but that's the thing with Hacksaw is you, you. He doesn't care. He'll talk to yeah. anybody for as long as you want to. And you could. You, yeah. You, you could never not have a conversation with Hacksaw. Even, you know, me who was a, you know, I forget, 10, 11, 12 year old boy, you know, you had carry on a conversation with Hacksaw. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was, it was interesting. I yeah. He's a nice guy. But, you know, that, so we don't sit here all night and just keep telling story after story. We'll just yeah. have to uh, save them all and do another one because I've got another good one about a prank call and someone not knowing who was on the other end. But we're going to save that one. So, uh, yeah, I think that's all of my got for today. Well, I've been doing the send-off for like the last few, so go ahead. Yeah, well, hey, this has been Living Cafe Wrestling Pod. Uh, I think this would be top 27-ish right about now. I forget how many we told, but uh, hey, we'll see you in the next episode. Ring the bell. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, though. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo.